invite and ask you to stand with me as we pray. Ask, give Holy Spirit permission to do what he wants in our hearts. Because we really want what he has for us. We really do because he's really good. And so, Father, we do. We thank you for what you're doing so far. We thank you for the opportunity that we had and we have to worship you together as brothers and sisters. We thank you for the freedom that we get to enjoy in this country and in this house. And so we bless you, Father, and we open our hearts. And, Holy Spirit, we give you permission to have your way in our hearts. We want our our mindsets to be adjusted. We want our souls to come into alignment with you and your kingdom. And so we declare that we have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And we have hearts to receive the implanted word. And so, Father, we posture ourselves to receive what you have today for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Over the years, um, maybe even the last recent years, many of you have heard me talk a lot about declarations, making declarations, declaring. And today what I want to talk about is two reasons why you should be making declarations. Two reasons why you should be making declarations. Uh, In 2018, our theme is loving people well supernaturally. Not just loving people, but loving them well and loving them supernaturally. In other words, inviting Holy Spirit in that whole process to love people in a way that just um, makes them want God, makes them want God. Jesus said to let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and they glorify the Father. So we want to love people well, and we want to love them supernaturally. And I believe declarations is is a great part of that. And also what I'm excited about in 2018 is the fact that we're going to be even more intentional in equipping the saints, that would be you, for the work of the ministry, in going into your marketplace, your job, your school, wherever God has called you, and to take his kingdom. And we're going to be talking a lot about that this, this year. And this is one of those kingdom resources that God has made available, and it's making declarations. And what do I mean by that? I mean regularly and often making statements that line up with God's word, God's heart, and God's will regularly making statements from your mouth that line up with God's will, his heart, and his word. So it's not just saying stuff that I want, but it's saying things that I know lines up with the heart of God, with the will of God, and with the word of God. Does that make sense? You with me so far? And feel free, it is legal in this church to say amen. It is legal to agree and to be vocal. I'm just saying, okay? Just saying, uh, that kind of helps a preacher out sometimes. So if you hear something you agree with, then, then let me know about it. All right. Now, I'm, what I'm not talking about is name it and claim it type doctrine where you declare all the stuff you want. I'm not talking about that kind of thing because that's based on selfishness and greed. And I'm not talking about positive confession where you are sticking your head in the sand and denying reality. In other words, if a doctor says, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have this. And you say, nah, I don't believe that. Or you hear the tornado sirens going off. Anybody know what tornado sirens sound like? And you, and you turn on the TV and you hear the meteorologist say, those of you in Stillwater, there's a tornado in your area. It's time to take cover. And you say, I don't believe that. I'm just going to continue watching the basketball game. See, that's, that's not what I'm talking about by declarations. These two situations are reality. You know, when a doctor tells you that something's going on inside of your body, that is reality. Are you hearing me? That is reality. When the sirens go off and the meteorologist is saying that there is a tornado on the ground or there's a funnel cloud overhead and all that kind of stuff, that is a reality. However, however, there is a greater reality that you have access to, and that's called his kingdom. There's a greater reality. So we're not talking about pretending like nothing is said or nothing's happening. If something's going on in your body, you say, okay, I acknowledge that, but I'm about to submit myself to a higher reality, and we command this and make this thing submit to this higher reality. Are you hearing me? Do you see the difference between that and just saying, I don't believe that? 
Because if there's something going on in your body and you say, well, I don't believe that, that doesn't make that go away. But making that situation submit to that higher reality is what we need to learn to do. There's, there's many scriptures that talk about how powerful our tongue is. Number one is Proverbs 18.21. It says, there's the power, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In James chapter 3, verses uh, 2 through 8, it says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse do whatever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn whatever, wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong, in the same way. So we just talked about a, a horse with a bit, a small bit can turn a big horse and a small rudder can turn a big ship. And he says, in the same way, if I can find it, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that's, that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of, of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Okay, the point here is it shows how powerful your tongue is. And just like a, a, a rudder can turn a, in a massive ship and a bit can turn a big horse. I mean, if you mess with a few, if you're messing with horses, they're big, beautiful animals. Our, our oldest one weighs, no, not our oldest one, our, our mare promise weighs about 1,000 pounds. And you have this little bitty metal piece of a bit that can turn her wherever you want her to go. And in the same way, our tongue determines where we're going to go. There's a power of life and death in this little thing right here that flaps between your lips. Very powerful. Now, right here it says that no one can tame the tongue. It is, you know, it's very, it's very deadly. It's very powerful. Well, remember... It says no man can tame the tongue, but because we have Holy Spirit, I believe with his help, we can tame our tongue. Because the Bible says that we do have the spirit of self-control, right? I also believe one way that Holy Spirit enables us to tame our tongue is praying in tongues. And we're going to be talking about that in the near future, praying in tongues. But the point I wanted to make, get across here is that the, your tongue, your speech is very powerful. And your course, the course of your life, if you want to know which direction you're going, just listen to what you're saying. Listen to what you're saying. And record yourself. That, may, that might be a little more scary. You might not want to do that. It's like, I can't believe. Because if you heard the negative things that you're saying about yourself, you'd be amazed. You'd be shocked. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. You know, for example, um, kind of getting a little ahead of myself, but some of the things that we say, like with this flu thing that's going around, I mean, how many times have you said, uh-oh, I probably am going to get this, or, oh, you probably have. In other words, why should we come into agreement with that? Why should we come into agreement with that? And some of you may think, well, that's the flu. We can't do anything about that. I'm getting there, Johnny. He's trying to help me preach. But I appreciate it. Love you, brother. Because we're, we're in agreement, though. We're in agreement. Don't you just love technology? I just love it. I love my brother. I love technology. All right. Ephesians 4, 9, 29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed. Excuse me. Let no corrupting word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for a necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So the only speech that should come out of my mouth is that which is going to build up those around me. Now, who's around you all the time, 24-7? Exactly. So who should be the beneficiary, most beneficiary of your speech? You. So it is important what you say, even when no one's around, especially when no one's around. You know, when you make that mistake, when you do something, when you realize that you just made a, maybe a big mistake in your checkbook or, or, or something, and then you say, you idiot, Anybody ever heard of somebody doing that? 
Now, why would you do that? Why would you come into agreement with that? Okay, you made a mistake, but your speech should be that which gives grace to the hearer. Gives grace. Gives grace. So it's important how we speak. In Proverbs, this is one I found. I've read it many times before, but it just stuck out yesterday. Proverbs 12, 25, it says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Isn't that amazing? Anxiety can cause depression, but a good word, a good word makes it glad. Now, the Bible says to be anxious for nothing, but anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. Wonder why people get depressed and discouraged. Because you're, you're, you're focusing, you're being anxious about things. But it says, that, but a good word makes it glad. A good word from who? Do you need to wait? I need to get a good word from the pastor. I can't wait till Sunday to get a good word. Now that good word should come from you. Your good words can get rid of and deal with that depression and that anxiety. It, and what, what are you partnering with by your words? What are you coming into agreement with? You know what? There's a scripture that says when, when two or three come into agreement as touching anything, it takes two people to come into agreement, right? So if the enemy says, you're this, or you're that, you're going to get this, and you come into agreement with that, that's a powerful agreement. If you think about it, I just thought of that. That's a very powerful agreement. When you come in alignment with the enemy, that's a powerful agreement. And we need to quit making those agreements, and we need to start making different kind of agreements. Are you with me? Luke 6.45. This is where Johnny begins to preach. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of your heart, so it comes out of your mouth. So if you want to know what's in your heart, listen to what you're saying. Listen to what you're saying. And then that shows what's going on inside of your heart. So what comes out of your mouth reveals what's in your heart. So why is it important to make declarations? Number one, we've only got two. So here's the first one. To align our belief system with the Father's belief system. It's important to align our belief system with the Father's belief system. Here's another verse that's very important. It's Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 25. And this is after, you remember when Jesus and his disciples are going somewhere? I forget where they're going. They're going somewhere. And, and Jesus saw this fig tree and he was going to, he went over to the fig tree to look for figs and there were no figs on it. And then he cursed it and he said, no more will anybody eat fruit from you. Something to that effect. He cursed the fig tree, right? And then a time later, they come back by that tree and the disciples noticed that it was shriveled up, that it, it, had, it was shriveled up. And they were freaking out, saying, whoa, check it out. Uh, Rabbi, look what happened. Look at the tree. You cursed it and it, it shriveled up. They were amazed because they saw him speak the word and they saw the direct results of it. And then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. Now I've learned that the correct translation of that phrase is have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. And if you read the rest of it, that makes more sense. Not have faith in God, have the faith of God because he says here's what the faith of God looks like. So I'm going to say, Jesus said to his disciples, have the faith of God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. Now, doesn't that sound like God's kind of faith? Speaking to a mountain and telling it to move and be thrown into the sea? Doesn't that sound like God's kind of faith? Because with God, nothing shall be impossible, right? Are you with me? I tell you the truth. You can say, now, first of all, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. He starts off the phrase by saying, I tell you the truth. You can say, so here's the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. 
Now we know that there's a, also the context because people can take this and begin to run with it and that's when they begin to grab the I want that, I want that, I want that. And they begin to grab stuff and it's a selfish thing. But we know that things have to come into alignment with the will of God as well. Okay? So he says you can have, you can say this. Let me get back to where I was. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. So he's saying have the faith of God. You can say to this mountain, be removed and, and it will be cast in the sea. And it will happen if you do not doubt in your heart. And you can pray for anything and if you believe what you receive, it will be yours. But check this out. This very powerful resource that heaven is making available to us, it hinges on this one thing. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So Jesus is talking about a very powerful thing that he's making available to his sons and daughters. We can say to a mountain, in other words, we can talk to circumstances that they have to change, that it has to shift. And he says, if you believe, it will happen. And you can pray for anything, and it will happen. However, or but, you must forgive. Why is forgiveness so important? If you choose to hold a grudge against somebody and not release forgiveness to them, then you are blocking off this very thing that Jesus wants you to have. You ever thought about that? So when you choose to hold a grudge and unforgiveness towards somebody, who's suffering the most? So based on selfish reasons, it's good for you to forgive. Think about that. See, we think we're punishing somebody, but yet we're the one being punished. So I can tell this mountain to move. I can tell these circumstances to change. But if I'm holding a grudge, unforgiveness, then it nullifies that declaration that Jesus said. You still with me? Okay, so it's important to make declarations. One, to align our belief system with the Father's belief system. He invites, us to, he invites us to adopt his beliefs, but he will not force them on us. God is wanting our thoughts to line up with his thoughts. He's wanting our belief system to line up with his belief system. Remember, he's the one that wants his kingdom to come on earth. Jesus said, pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done. God wants his will on this planet more than we want it. But he's choosing to have it manifest through his sons and daughters who will cooperate with him. And so he wants our beliefs to line up with him, with his. Do you realize that there are a whole lot of God's, excuse me, do you realize that there is a whole lot that God's word says is available to us, but we are not yet getting a hold of it? There's a whole lot that God's word says we can have, that we should have, that's made available to us, but we're not getting a hold of it. Why is that? Why is that? It's because of our belief system. It's because of our belief system. Jesus says if you believe, then you can have this. If you believe, this can happen. If you speak to a mountain, it has to be moved. And we say, well, he's just speaking metaphorically. And so we nullify right there. We say, well, Jesus says one thing. And we say, well, this is what he meant. And we put ourselves in a situation where we don't believe, we believe that there are many things that we cannot do anything about. You know, do you realize that there are congregations that love Jesus, that are born again, that believe that Jesus is the only name under heaven by which man can be saved? They're fully confident of that. They believe that they put their faith in him. And at the same time, they do not believe that healing and miracles is for today. Are you aware of that? So then it wouldn't make sense then that in that congregation, in that family of believers, there's probably not going to be a lot of healing and a lot of miracles. Would you agree with that? Is it because God loves them less? Is it because maybe they love Jesus less? Is it because they're not worthy? Is it because they don't deserve it? Then what is it? It's their belief system. That's it, their belief system. They choose to believe. They say, well, miracles aren't for today. We have the Bible. We don't need miracles. 
And healing is not for today. Therefore, they don't see a lot of healing, a lot of miracles. Now, there might accidentally be one. And it has nothing to do with God's love for them, has nothing to do with their value, their worth, how he sees them, but it's their belief system. Remember when Jesus went about healing and doing all kinds of good and and raising people from the dead and all that? I mean, powerful stuff. Remember that? And then he goes to Nazareth where he's wanting to blow that place up with his goodness as well. That was his hometown. And it said he could do no mighty work there except heal a few sick folk because of their unbelief. Jesus could not do the same things he was doing in other places. He could not do it at home because of their doubt and unbelief. Do you think Jesus loved them any less than he loved anybody else? No way. Their belief system hindered what God was able to do on their behalf. And so the point I'm trying to help you understand that our belief system is very important. And there are a lot of things that we've been putting up with and accepting that God has no intention for us to put up with and accept. And we put it off as, well, if God wants to do something about it, he will. If it's God's will for me to be healed or if it's God's will for this circumstance to change, he will do something about it. Well, didn't the Bible say that God's desires for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of Jesus? Does he make every person get saved? But isn't it his will and desire? But does he make everybody get saved? No. What's the difference? What has to happen for God's desire and will for a person to be saved? They have to choose him. Their belief system has to line up with that, right? So there's a lot that God has put. He says, I've made this available but you have to partner with me and do something about it for it to be released. People say, well, if God wants me healed, I'll be healed. Jesus said, I've made provision for everyone to be healed. He says, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Right? He made that provision. He says, but you shall lay hands on the sick. There's a condition there. He's looking for people to partner with him to release that kingdom manifestation. Are you with me? What I'm trying to help us understand is that we do have a responsibility as kingdom sons and daughters. We have been called ambassadors to bring his kingdom influence into this world, into your job place, into your school, into your marketplace, wherever. He wants you to bring his kingdom into that place. It's not going to just show up automatically because you're a Christian. There are many Christians in places, but you go into these places, it's like, man, it's so dark in here. It's like, man, there must not be any Christians. And then you find out there's a bunch of Christians in there. So just you being somewhere doesn't mean your light's going to shine. I can have a flashlight and walk outside and be pitch black outside, and I'm still walking in darkness. You know why? Because the flashlight's not turned on. Just because I have a flashlight doesn't mean it's going to do me any good. I have to let that light shine, which means there's an intentionality that has to happen with me and that flashlight for me to benefit from the fruit of that flashlight, which is light. Just you showing up doesn't mean your light's going to shine. There has to be a partnership with you in heaven for your light to shine. Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way. So there is a way. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works, excuse me, see your good works and glorify your Father. So there's something we have to do. And we're talking about declarations. The importance of declarations. So number one, I'm I'm declaring to line my belief system with the Father's belief system. My beliefs about my Heavenly Father towards me. You know, does He love me tremendously? He never, he'll never leave me. His thoughts towards me are good. You know, Psalms 139, 17, 18 says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. 
What is your thought process concerning God towards you? How do you think God feels about you? Do you feel like God celebrates you or tolerates you? That's a big deal right there. See, many Christians, unfortunately, feel like God just puts up with them because he has to. And see, if that's your belief system, then there's only going to be a certain level of where you're going to be able to go. First of all, your, your understanding of how he feels towards you has to line up with how he really feels about you. And that's why it's important for you declaring, saying with your lips how God in his word feels and believes about you, that he says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And one verse out of Hebrews, I believe chapter 11, verse 2, I think, got to look it up, where it talks about, it says, for the joy set before Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured, and you know, the shame of the cross. In other words, he was going to the cross because of the will of the Father, but it was the joy that he was looking beyond at to go to the cross for the joy set before him. That joy is you. See, he was willing to go to the cross because he was, he was definitely going to do God's will. But he was going to the cross also because he knew the joy was he was going to get to have a relationship with you. He, he was making a way so that he could have an intimate relationship with you. You are the joy that he was looking at. And see, when you believe that, when you really believe that, you're going to act a whole lot different. When you really believe that. When a young lady believes that they're not really worth a lot, then they're going to be willing to allow certain men to treat them a certain way. I remember when I um, done a lot of prison work with guys, and and uh, so I've been in a lot of courtrooms. And I remember, um, and I've seen this when I visit prisons, when I see the when I'm in the visiting room with the prisoners and their spouses or girlfriends or whoever, and being in courtrooms where, and just being in these situations, and I see these young ladies with these guys, and and please hear my heart, I'm not judging these guys, okay. Because some of them are good guys, but some of them are knuckleheads. And I see these girls partnering with these guys, and I'm thinking, why? Now, I'm being general, okay, because I don't know any of these people. But what I see in a lot of these young ladies in their faces is their countenance that they don't believe they're worth much. And I believe any sister of mine deserves the best. Not just any guy who comes along and, and makes you think certain things. And I had no intention of saying this, but I believe the Holy Spirit is saying this for a particular reason. Because he wants to change your belief system about yourself and how he feels about you. So it's important how you believe God feels towards you and your declarations and your words need to be speaking that. You need to be speaking. That's why it's so good. Some of these songs, a lot of these songs that we sing are basically declarations put to music. And so if you don't know of any declarations, just sing some of the songs that we're singing and you'll be making some declarations <laughs> with music. But they're saying powerful things about God's love towards us. You know, one of my favorite songs we uh, sang it, I believe, Christmas. Um, Taylor and the, and the team sang at Christmas is about God's reckless love. And some people can say, what do you mean God's reckless love? Well, it's the picture that I get is how God is just willing to, to wreck stuff, move mountains and climb mountains and do things to get to you. He's done everything in his power to have a relationship with you. He sent Jesus. And it's basically a picture of God's passion for you. And when you begin to understand that, that God loves you, he doesn't just tolerate, but he celebrates you. He celebrates you. He loves you. He's passionate about you. And his thoughts towards you, not only are they wonderful, but there's so many of them. You can't even count them. It's like the sea, the sand on the seashores. 
And when you understand that, that makes you want to move towards him. And then you desire, it's like, oh God, how can I serve you today? It's not that you do things based out of, I don't want to get in trouble, so therefore I better do these things. See, that's a fear-based relationship. If you have a marriage that way, that's not going to go too far. Well, I don't want to do this because my husband might or my wife might. I I don't want to do this or I better do this because God might. It's like, no, I want to do this because God is so wonderful. He's so good. I just want to put a smile on his face. I just want to do this for my wife because I know she'll like this. That's the kind of relationship the Father wants with you. He is passionate about you. And Jesus shares so many uh, parables and things to, to demonstrate his passion for you. So our belief system has to come into alignment with God's belief system. That's why we make declarations. My belief about myself, my worth, my value, I believe God celebrates me. And that's not an arrogant statement because that's a statement of the greatness of God, actually. Because, see, I know me, and the fact that he celebrates me makes me appreciate and love him even more because I know me. You know what I'm saying? I know me. It's like, really? That's awesome. I love you back. The Bible says we can love him because he first loved us. The Bible talks about in Ephesians, you know, Paul prayed twice. There are two prayers in Ephesians about us understanding the, and comprehending the love of God. And that was to the saints. That wasn't to the world. That was to the saints. Like, guys, if you would just understand how much God loves you, how deep it is, how wide it is, how far it goes, if you would just understand that, it'll blow your mind. It's a paraphrase. So I need to make declarations to help my belief system. What are my beliefs about my circumstances? What are my beliefs about my circumstances? So, first reason why we make declarations is to change our belief system so it aligns with the Father's belief system. Number two, I make declarations to change the current atmosphere or the environment to come into alignment with the will of the Father. I make declarations to change the current environment or atmosphere to line up with the will of the Father. So one, to change my belief system. Two, to change circumstances or the atmosphere. That concerns people, weather, negative circumstances. He said, well, what do you mean change people? I believe that bad people are, or mean people, and a lot of times are responding to their environment. You think, well, I have a, a mean, my employer is mean. And he or she's just got bad attitude. They're just mean. It's like, well, how do you change them? I believe if you change the environment that they're experiencing, I believe it can touch their heart and change their heart. I was talking to a man years ago, met him through another inmate, and he asked me if I can come meet his friend or talk to his friend. So I went to the the county jail. This was before the new county jail or, you know, the new one. I was visiting this guy, and he was telling me how, um, well, I formed a relationship with him. And then one time he was telling me how he was afraid because he had this cellmate and he was terrified of him. Very big, scary dude and angry. And he said when he would try to read his Bible, it would make him angry. And he was just afraid. So he was afraid to read his Bible and just afraid. Now, I'd never been in prison before, so I wasn't speaking on experience of what I've done in prison, but I was speaking on experience of what I've understand as, as a believer's authority. And, and what God has made available to us. And I said, Sean, his name was Sean. I said, do you realize that you have authority in your cell? That is your cell just as much as it is his. You have authority. So take authority and change that atmosphere in that place. So because right now, it sounds like demonic. The demonic was influencing that atmosphere. And it's very angry, scary, full of fear. And I said, here's how you do this. And he was a man, he, uh, he had his prayer language, so he prayed in tongues. I said, I want you to pray in tongues, not where he can hear you, because you might get beat up. That's not what we're going after. I said, when you can, just pray, under your breath, pray in the tongues, and just declare and just speak peace, and release peace, and just declare peace. 
into that place. And just blessing. Just invite the Holy Spirit. Just invite God's kingdom to come. He said, okay, I'll try. I don't think he had much faith that anything was going to happen. Well, a short time later when I came to visit him again, he told me that the atmosphere had changed so much to the point to where the guy became friendly and he even asked him to read the Bible to him. And the only thing he had done was prayed and invited heaven. Now, see, he wasn't praying, God, change his heart, get him, God, judge him. No, he wasn't even doing that. The environment, the atmosphere changed. And this guy began to, ex- this is my interpretation of it, because I didn't interview the guy or anything. But he began to experience a different realm, a different environment. And it brought him at peace. And then it gave him a desire to know God. He said, would you read that to me? I think that's pretty cool. Now, he could have came up with the belief that I've been a bad boy. I'm stuck in this situation, and I can't do anything about it except endure it. And some of you might think, well, he was bad because he's in prison. Yes, he made bad choices. He was getting what he deserved. But he was a repentant Christian, giving his heart to Jesus and wanting to go a different direction. And so I was talking to him as a believer as a son of the Most High God. And he learned to walk in his authority, and the environment changed. There was a time, is Cornell in here? Good. Because uh, help me with the details if I, if I forget any. But there was, a, um, a, many of you guys know Joash, right? Joash Lagame from Kenya. Wonderful brother. And he's another investment. If you want to invest and get a good return on your investment as far as kingdom, the man is bad to the bone. He's awesome. Um, anyway, years ago, he came up with the idea. He wanted to do a medical clinic where you, um, you buy a bunch of uh, medicine and then you invite people to come and you hire a couple of doctors and they inter- get interviewed by the doctor and then they, the doctor prescribes them some medications and that kind of thing. And that's a big deal in Kenya because medicine is not free. Okay, over here you say, you know, we cry and whine about insurance and our insurance is jacked up. Okay, I agree. It's all messed up. But I would not trade it. I would not trade it. When you go to Kenya, see, if, if I don't have insurance, if I get hit by a car or if I do something and I get hurt really bad, guess what? I can walk into the emergency room and guess what they're going to do? They're going to help me. That doesn't happen in Kenya. You get hurt or, or messed up or just some infection in your hand or whatever and you don't have any money, sorry, they're not going to see you. So medicine, so the medicines that we have that, are, that clear up the, you know, the uh, antibiotics and stuff like that, that we take for granted that we get, you know, you need an antibiotic and we take that and it clears up the infection and that kind of thing. We take for granted. It costs money, right? Well, over there it's not free. You don't pay, you don't get it. So anyway, so that's why this was a big deal. Joash wanted to do this. But before he asked us to do it, uh, partner with us, he did it. He tried it to do it. And he said it was a disaster because it was in the rainy season. And in the rainy season, it rains every day. You know, like in Seattle or, or uh, in Zacatecas, I heard in the summer it rains every day in a couple of months, every day, every single day. And in, in Kenya, every day it rained. So it, it, it washed things out when they tried to do the... You know, have the people, it would rain, and it would just mess everything up. And so when he asked if we could partner with him and do that, and so we, we provided the medicine and everything, and he said, but it's the rainy season. And I said, well, I had a different belief system than Joe Ash. The team that went with me had a different belief system. And so we went during the rainy season where it rains every day. And our belief system was, we believe the Father wants to do this because he loves these people. And we believe that we're here to invite heaven to come. But there's rain that's going to come every day and mess it up. We have a different belief system. And so we decided as a team, we decided, okay, we need to... Um, in fr- See, we could have prayed in our room, in our apartment. We could have made declarations and prayed, but then... Only us and God would have known what happened. And so we felt like the Holy Spirit was leading us to do this in front of the people. And I said, hey, Cornell, why don't you lead out in prayer? 
And so anyway, we got together, and, and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who have come. And it was the first day, and we began to declare and pray that the rains would hold back, that they would not come. They would not interfere with the medical clinic in any way. It could rain at night or not at all until we were done. In Jesus' name. Monday didn't rain. Tuesday didn't rain. Wednesday didn't rain. Thursday didn't rain. Friday, and none of the days did it rain. And I remember on the last day, I think it was the last day, the doctor, uh, one of the ladies, real neat lady, and she didn't speak English, so we had to hear this through an interpreter. And she was saying, encouraging people, challenging the people to praise God for the miracle that we got to experience. Because look, it didn't rain all week. That's what she was saying to the people. It didn't rain all week. All week it didn't rain. And they were glorifying God because they recognized it was supposed to rain every day, but it didn't rain, and we were able to, to provide medicine. And what we did, see, the medicine was, a, was bait to get people to come close. And what we did was when they came, and, and, and Joash thought this was a good idea too, is we laid hands on the sick because you have a lot of sick people coming to get medicine. So before they got the medicine, we were laying hands on them, praying for them. We were praying for people with tuberculosis. We were praying for people with AIDS. And what I appreciated about the team that I went with was we had more faith in what we had getting on them than what they had getting on us. We weren't afraid of the AIDS. We weren't afraid of the tuberculosis. We laid hands on believing that greater is he that is in us, and he wanted to love on them. And so with the last day, because we only thought about this the last day, we heard many, many, many testimonies of people getting healed. Many testimonies. And they, there was one common phrase they would say. You prayed for me, and before I got the medicine, I was healed. Because our prayer was, we want their faith to be in God and not in the medication. Because we knew how important the medication was to them. But we were praying that their faith would be God's healing and not the medication. And many of them said, before I got the medication, I was healed. And then one thing, for years and years I've wondered, because, um, you know, if someone has AIDS, you don't necessarily, can't necessarily tell right away if they got healed, right? And so I've wondered, man, how many people from AIDS got healed? And I was thinking about that, and I remember one time, Joash, um, I asked him, I said, Joash, did anybody, you ever hear any testimonies? Because he would tell me year after year after year after year of the testimonies that he would constantly get of people who were healed from what happened back at that time. And I asked him, I said, hey, you ever hear of anybody from AIDS getting healed? And he says, that's funny that you asked that because just last month I met a guy that he encountered who had AIDS, and Joash knew this man who had lost a lot of weight and was skinny and everything, but when he saw him again, he had gained his weight and he was very healthy, and he said he was healed from AIDS. So I'm thinking, okay, if one came to testify, then probably many more got healed of AIDS. And here's my point. All that wonderful stuff happened. People got healed. Their lives got changed because it didn't rain. Because people had a belief system that Jesus said, you can speak to this mountain. You can speak to this circumstance, this impossible circumstance. And if you believe, guess what's going to happen? It's not going to rain. And you know, the cool thing was we were leaving, heading back to the airport at the end of the deal. And one of the brothers said, oh, don't forget about the rain. I was like, oh, yeah. Father, we just thank you for your goodness, and we just ask you to release the rain. When we landed in Nairobi, no, excuse me, we flew out of Nairobi. When we landed in Amsterdam, I checked my email. I had gotten an email from Joash, and he says, when I dropped you guys off at the airport and when I came back home, it started raining. I was like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. One more thing I want to share, which is encouraging. Um, Johnny and Heather live next door to a lady that happens to work for the police department. 
and I happen to know this lady. Well, when she found out, well, Johnny was helping her, her, Johnny and her boyfriend were working on a vehicle. Was it his vehicle? Working on his vehicle. And then the lady realized that Johnny went to New Covenant Fellowship. She's wondering, is that the same church where CJ goes? And, and she determined that it was. And she was just telling him how since I've been involved in the police department, how the environment atmosphere has changed. How the atmosphere has changed. Now, here's the cool thing about that. It's not just my pretty face showing up in the police department that changed the atmosphere. Well, actually, let me take that back. But see, here's what's happened. Because the father, when I started going there, and I was being a nice person, I was developing relationships and and getting to know the officers and everything, and getting comfortable and really liking it. And the father reminded me, he said, son, remember, I didn't call you here just to be a nice guy. I called you here to bring my kingdom. I was like, oh, yeah, thanks for the reminder. And, and Johnny, this particular lady was the very first lady through which the kingdom manifests. In other words, she had a sleep pattern for 15 years that was all messed up. Couldn't sleep. 15 years. Well, we prayed for her, and it changed. Well, she sleeps peacefully. Matter of fact, when I asked her how it was, how was her sleep one time, she started crying as she was, as she was describing how her sleep has changed and enhanced. But see, what she doesn't realize is not only am I walking into that building because I've been given free access, but they are, there are a whole lot of kingdom-minded declares and prayers, warriors, that are praying and making declarations because the police have given us access into that place. And so I show up and show my pretty face, but there are a lot of people behind who are making declarations, and they're inviting the kingdom of heaven. And people's lives are changing. We're praying over the marriages of the police officers. We're praying over their sleep. We're praying over crime. We're praying over all these things, and things are shifting and changing. And this lady's saying the atmosphere is changing because kingdom-minded people are bringing the kingdom. Amen? And next week, we're going to talk about how to make declarations. We're going to talk more practically. But my encouragement to you is the Father's inviting us to partner with him to invite his kingdom into our circumstances. Your circumstances. See, this isn't just the police department or just in Kenya or just on mission trips or just, we're talking bring it down to you, what you're going through. God wants you and him to partner together to deal with the circumstances and the things that you're going through. And next week I'll share some other personal things that has a lot to do with me, and I'm very excited about it. You guys may not care about it, but I'm excited about it because it has changed my life. It has changed my life. Would you stand with me? You know, one of the declarations that I've been, if you deal with this mindset right now, I invite you to just start saying, I'm not a victim. I'm no longer a victim. Now, you might have gone through some horrendous stuff, and that's not okay. That is not okay. But you're declaring that you are not going to be a victim or, or a slave of those circumstances that happen that you're going to begin to walk in his overcoming authority and power that he's given you so you can be free. So you can be free. And not only be free, but then you can proclaim freedom to other people who have gone through similar circumstances. Amen? Let's pray together. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you for taking this word and adapting it to every heart. Every heart. So they understand what you are trying to say. Thank you, Father. You have the ability to do that. You're so amazing. 
And we open our hearts to you, Father, and we say, yes, we want our thought process, our beliefs to line up with you. We recognize that we're not walking in the fullness of what you have for us, that there is more for us to walk in. I acknowledge that in my life, and I say, Father, I want more, which means I'm willing to line up in agreement with you, which means I'm willing to cooperate with you, which means I'm putting myself in place, which means spending time with you, grabbing a hold of and devouring your word, worshiping you passionately, just opening my heart up to receive everything you have for me. I'm taking off these victim mentality clothes and I'm putting on my victorious in Jesus clothes. And I thank you, Father, that every person in this room moving forward are going to be powerhouses for your kingdom. Transformation is coming and will happen in Payne County. And Father, we're just so excited about the lives that are going to be changed, the salvations that are going to happen, the healings that are going to happen, the hit on the hospitals that are going to happen because of the, the lack of sick people. We declare your kingdom coming to Payne County. The drug supply is cut off from this county in Jesus' name. Tornadoes aren't welcome anymore. They're outlawed from this county. In the name of Jesus. Because we, your people, are not going to put up with those anymore. And we thank you, Father, that this, the authority that you've given us, just like with the police officers, we're here to serve and protect. We're going to love people like crazy. And we're going to do everything in our resources to protect this community from drugs, from crime, from harm, from from disasters, everything we can do so that people experience your love at a greater level. We thank you for your goodness, Father. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You guys have a wonderful week, and I'll see you next time.